Well, thank you, Paula, and the worship team coming from Elder Mary Lou's house. Perfect, just perfect. Merry Christmas once again to all of you. Thanks to the Sharp Kids readers, Christian and Lily and Micah and Kali. Thanks for that great lighting of the Advent candle from the Hastings home. Thank you, Adeline. Thank you, Eliana. Just right. And thank you so much, Emily Carlton. You are a phenomenal children's director. Thank you for that just, just perfect Christmas message for the children tonight. So good to be with all of you tonight here. I, of course, we'd rather be face-to-face, -face, but I'm grateful to God that we can be together in this way this year of 2020 and, and revisit the birth story of Jesus once again. Because listen, the Christmas story is well known to all followers of Christ. As a matter of fact, it's well known to, to people around the world, whether they're followers of Christ or not, right? Shepherds in the field, three wise men, a baby born in a stable, and no room in the inn. These are firmly fixed themes in our minds. But Grace City, this Christmas Eve, we want to revisit that first century home where Jesus was born and bring some clarity in between the popular story that we've grown up with and the actual text. So our title tonight is Welcome Home. Welcome home to the first century, to the birth of our Savior. And I want, just for a moment, think about the glasses that many of us wear. Now, glasses help us help us see better, right? But if we never clean them, the image can dull, and we might miss something of value that is right in front of us. So let's take a fresh look at the familiar Christmas story, but let's take it with clean glasses tonight. Because over the centuries, we've added some meanings to the Christmas story that, that are faulty. Uh, and how does this happen would be the question all of us should ask at this point. Well, you should know that the source of many of our flawed assumptions in Jesus' story come not from the scripture, but actually from an expanded account that, of his birth that was written uh, 200 years after his birth. The author was not a Jew. The author did not understand Palestinian hospitality, geography, or Jewish family tradition. And he or she was really writing a novel. It was written with imagination, uh, but it was not written with reality. Now, the author had clearly read the Gospels, but just as clearly invented details that are not in the text, not in the scriptures. But we have modified these details and incorporated them into the story that we've become familiar with in this day. So I want to title my part of the Christmas Eve message, Welcomed In, Welcomed In. And I hope that this will be a blessing to all of you. It sure has been for me as I've prepared this. Welcomed in. Now, most often, uh, we think that Joseph and the pregnant Mary were somehow shunned and rejected as they arrived in Bethlehem. But this is not in the text. Now, stay with me. In reality, they would have been welcomed in by the vast majority of families in Bethlehem. And let me tell you why. Look with me on your screen at Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 5 again. But look with fresh glasses. For the Roman census, Joseph was returning to his hometown of Bethlehem. You see that in verse 3, where he could easily find shelter and hospitality. And he was bringing the pregnant Mary with him. Now, why could he easily find shelter? Well, he was a descendant of King David. You see that in verse 4. Everyone in the town would know this about Joseph. And, and nearly all doors in town in, in Bethlehem would be open to him. Now, as a matter of fact, Mary, too, had relatives leaving, living very nearby uh, in Judea. Bethlehem was the center of Judea, 
And even a few months before, Mary had paid a visit to her cousin Elizabeth in Judea. She'd spent some time there. You see this in Matthew chapter 1, verses 39 and 40 on your screen. And Mary and Joseph could have turned to her relatives if they needed to, but they didn't need to. Uh, yes, they were indeed economically distressed, but they were not shunned by their people. Grace City, not only would Joseph uh, be welcomed in, but we know that in every culture, especially in rural communities throughout history and to this day, communities default to assist their women in childbirth. And surely this community would have stepped into the responsibility to help Joseph find shelter and care for Mary. To turn away from a descendant of David in the midst of childbirth and to say, good luck, hope you make it, that would have brought unspeakable shame to the entire village. And listen, we have no reason from the text to assume uh, that Mary gave birth on the night that they arrived. This has become part of our tradition, but it's not in the text. Look at verse, uh, Luke 2, verse 6. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. While they were there. Grace City, there was plenty of time to find housing in a village where they would be welcome. Now, given all that in the backstory, two questions should arise in your mind tonight. Uh, and you see these in verse 7. And the answers are going to bless you on this Christmas Eve. And here are the questions. So where was the manger and what was the inn that we speak of in this text? Now, the answer lies in the geography and the history of the Holy Land. Now, for the Western mind, for you and me, the word manger in invokes a separate barn or stable. But in traditional Middle Eastern villages, this is not the case. Only people of great wealth could afford separate quarters for their animals. And here's the reality. Simple village homes in Palestine most often had but two rooms. One was exclusively for guests. And that's because the theme of hospitality runs through Palestine and, and its people. One was exclusively for guests, and that room would either be attached to the end of the main house or would be on the, the uh, second floor. It would be on the roof. The main room was a family room where the entire family cooked and slept and lived. But here it is in the end of that room, the other end from the guest room where the main door was located was either a few feet lower or, uh, than the family room or blocked off with heavy timbers. And each night into that designate, designated space through the main door, the family cow, the donkey, and a few sheep would be driven in. The main door served both animals and family. Animals straight ahead into their stalls and people up the stairs or up a slope uh, into their family room, co-living the animals and the family. And every morning, of course, those same animals would be driven out of their stall, tied up in the courtyard, and the animal stall would be cleaned. Now, in between the stall and the family room, here it is, mangers were dug out of the floor they would be on the lower end of the family room, or if you were in the stall, the upper end of the stall. And the cows and sheep could eat from those mangers dug out of the floor uh, where food would be placed for them. This is the manger in the typical Palestinian home. And this design fits naturally into the birth story of Jesus. Listen, Jesus himself, in his first sermon, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, he writes about a lamp. Don't hide your lamp under a bushel. You see this verse on your, on your screen. Don't hide your lamp under a basket, but let your lamp shine, it says this, on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. 
Obviously, Jesus pictures a typical village home with one room for the family where a single light can shed light on the entire house, entire family. So if Joseph and Mary were taken into a private home, and this includes the manger, then what is the inn in verse 7? What is the inn? Most English translations say that he was placed in a manger because there was no room in the inn. So what is, this, what is it in this story that is full? Well, this sounds to all of us uh, as if he was rejected by the people of Bethlehem. We misinterpret the language here. No room in the inn has taken on the meaning of the inn had multiple rooms and they were all occupied, like some sort of Motel 6 where the lights were turned off. So we've come to believe that there was a no vacancy sign uh, out when, Jesus, when Joseph and, and Mary arrived in Bethlehem. But the word translated in here is not the word that is used in the New Testament for commercial in. We see, that, we see that word in Luke's story of the Good Samaritan, where the Samaritan took the wounded man to an inn. That's an entirely different word. Our word here in Luke chapter 2 is different, and it simply means this, Grace City, space. As in, my, there is no space in my row home for a Christmas tree. A lot of us have, have hit that. Here, the context refers to the guest room. The guest room space was occupied. Luke 22 tells us about this. this, they use this Jesus uses the same word as, as the, as the um, week leading up to the cross begins. And he tells his disciples, go and find the guest room, the space, the upper room, we translate it, for the Last Supper. It's the same word. So just as the upper room is a guest room in a private home, here it is the same. So in verse 7, Luke tells his readers that Jesus was placed in a manger, which is in the family room, because in that home, the guest room was already full, which is not surprising given that there was a census and people were coming from all over. So Grace City, here's the remade nativity scene I want you to picture today, this evening. Luke tells us in verses 1 to 7 that the Holy Family traveled to Bethlehem because there was a census. Joseph did not need to seek the, the Rosebud Motel, a commercial inn, because he, as a member of the House of David, would not suffer closed doors as he returned to the village of his family legacy. They were graciously welcomed in to the family room of a private home. The guest room in that house was already occupied by other guests. So the child was born wrapped in a blanket and literally put to bed in a manger filled with fresh straw, most likely built into the floor. And here's one more thought about this Christmas Eve in the first century. Given the invitation of the shepherds and the wise men to come see the holy baby, if either group had, had arrived to see the baby living in horrific conditions with desperate parents, they would have acted on their responsibility to make it good. But both of these groups left the house without any concern, simply and only blessed by the child who was born for them. So, Great City, when we strip the layers of mythology from the story, we rejoice to see our Savior born in a simple two-room village home like the Middle East has known for over 3,000 years. And here the story is not lost or cheapened, and I need you to grasp this. The story is actually enriched when we know this history. For Jesus 
was loved not only by his mother and his father, he was loved and welcomed in by the entire village. There was no time or, or, or preparation with lavish preparation. There were no Macy parades. There was no money spent. Just the hospitality of the human heart. Jesus arrived safe home in a warm place of gratitude. And in the same way, Grace City, when you welcome him into your heart, grateful for his saving presence, he will make his home in you forever. When you welcome him in, he welcomes you home. And now I want to welcome you to the home of my co-pastor, Corey Barnes. Let's go to his home. And Corey, you take us home for the rest of this evening. Merry Christmas, Grace City. Bob told us that this baby is welcomed into the town of David, and now our Savior, Jesus, is born. Now it's time for the baby announcement, for the world to know that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is here. But here's the question for us this morning. Who does this invitation come to first? Who's welcome into Jesus' home? Who will be the first to see this baby? Who will be the first to embrace this baby? Who will be the first to bring this baby close? Oftentimes when baby announcements are made, the invitation go out to people, only to people that we're close to. The welcome is only for people who are close in my family. You know, when couples I know have newborn babies, some of the most hospitable people I know tell people you can't come in. This is not the time for you to come over. It's only for an exclusive group. Sometimes it's for medical reasons. Sometimes it's for moral reasons. Sometimes it's for religious reasons. Sometimes it's for emotional reasons. Sometimes it's for social reasons. They don't want the child to get sick. They don't want the child to be exposed to the wrong people. They don't want the child to be in the wrong environment. They don't want the child's growth to be stunt. They don't want the child to be in an environment that doesn't represent their faith and moral convictions. They don't want the child to be around people they don't necessarily like. So many of us send invitations to an exclusive group when we have a child, people that's in our bloodline, people that we really trust. But I'm so glad God is not like us when it comes to exposing his son. The exposure of God's son wasn't based on pedigree or religious affiliations or family relationship. It wasn't based on anything but a God who loved us so much that he was willing to let those who are on the outside come on the inside. He wanted you and me to come home. See, in God's kingdom, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. This baby is lying in the manger, fully exposed and accessible to anyone who is willing to come in especially those who are not, not those who are in the immediate family, but for those who are on the immediate margins of God's family. This baby is exposed and available for those who trust and believe in God. They are welcome 
in his home. I notice because this invitation comes to the shepherds. See, the shepherds were the bottom of the social ladder, but the announcements came to the shepherds. The shepherds were uneducated, but the announcements came to the shepherds first. The shepherds were unskilled, but the but the announcement came to the shepherds first. The shepherds were viewed as dishonest, but the announcement came to the shepherds first. The shepherds were known from stealing from each other, but the announcement came to the shepherds first. The shepherds were known to be unreliable, but the announcement came to the shepherds first. The shepherds were known to be dishonest, but the announcement came to the shepherds First, see, this baby, this invitation is the invitation that this baby is the good news that brings good joy. Watch this to all people, regardless of your background, regardless of what you've done in life. This baby is invite you are invited and welcome in to see this baby. I don't know how far away. You think you are from Jesus this morning, but I want you to know that you can come on in. You can come home. You have full access to this God. The shepherds accepted the invitation and left the outside and came inside of Mary and Joseph's home. And when they arrived, they saw two things. They saw the position of the baby in the home, and they saw the posture of his parents in the home. The baby was positioned in the home. Verse 16 says, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Listen, they find this baby in a feeding trough in a manger. The shepherds left the field because they accepted the invitation to first see the baby. And this baby was exposed to these strangers who come from the outside. This baby was positioned to as the fulfillment of the expectation of the Savior coming to the town of David to position himself so that outsiders could be insiders. The shepherds were able to come in. They came in with their burdens. They came in with their rejection. They came in with their fears. They came in with their brokenness. They came in because they were invited in the house. And when they got in the house, they didn't just meet any little baby. They made they met the great I am shepherd, the one that was will, that's willing to lay his life down for his sheep, the good shepherd. They met the one that said, come unto me who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. They met the good shepherd, Jesus. The shepherd saw the baby positioned in the home. But the second thing I see, the shepherds saw the parents' posture in the home. Look at this. Verse 19 says, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherd returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen, which were just as they'd been told. 
What amazes me is that Mary and Joseph had a newborn baby, a strangers arrived at their door and in their home, and I believe these parents postured themselves with true hospitality. They were willing to let strangers in their home. See, Webster defined hospitality as the friendly, generous reception, entertainment of guests, visitors, or strangers. But see, the word hospitality in the Greek is a very interesting word. It's the word philiozenea. Philios means friend or brother. But zenea means strange. It brings two words together. Philios, zenea. It means the friend to a stranger. Mary and Joseph opened their door to a stranger and gave real hospitality. They let in a stranger, and that stranger found a savior. I wonder how many of us could, how many people could meet a savior if true hospitality between those who are in the inside would be experienced by those who are on the outside. How many outsiders would be insiders if they saw more true hospitality from those of us who are in the inside. What amazes me is that Mary says in verse 19, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary began to ponder and reflect. And my question today, my question to you all was, what was Mary reflecting on? Maybe Mary felt this idea of being an outsider when she was pregnant at 13 years old and Joseph wasn't the father and Joseph took her home. Maybe she was reflecting on that. Maybe she, re maybe she reflected on the birth after the son and his redemptive purpose and promise to save his people. Maybe she reflected on how hard it was to embrace the fact that she's the mother of the son who is the Christ. Maybe Mary reflected on Jesus being in her home, a stranger in their home. And now these strangers and outsiders are now going back home. And now you and I are in our homes. The outsider went back home. And the text says in verse 20, when they got back home, they began to worship and praise God for all the things that God has done. That's verse 20. You and I have had a verse 20. 2020 has been a year for each and every one of us. And I believe the charge for us comes from the shepherds that in spite of all that we go through, because Jesus Christ is in our homes, we can celebrate and praise God for the one that's on the inside because all of us are welcome in his home. 